0: If you have been here since about January 1st of this year, then you generally understand the yearly topic that we're trying to cover this year, and that is to grow a family here at at Calvary Baptist Church. We are here to multiply Christ-like disciples who are, see, Pastor Tom will judge me on my membership class. They're passionate, obedient, dependent, connected, authentic, and relevant in order to multiply Christ-like disciples. (laughs) <laughs> and we have been covering a certain amount of topics for the past year, and uh, all these are meant enable to strengthen us, to make us grow, to enrich our lives so that we can go out and bring more people in. And something that we, I feel like we really need to cover when we're discussing this sort of topic is something that I feel like most of us have. I feel like it's safe to say that most of us will have a, some sort of future. So that is, if you are taking notes, the topic that we are going to uncover today is the future. So you can write that in your little title section or whatever. And future is something that we can all kind of relate to. Because we all, for the most part, will have a future at some point, whether we want to or not. But we will have a future at some point. And getting to that future is where it's interesting. Especially, I would like to point out, for a lot of... Students, middle school, high school where it 's a very important time for us to start thinking about our future. I know this recent last week, a lot of the juniors on all across the state of the Michigan embarked upon something called the SAT, which is just a new and furbished and greater version of the ACT and it 's a very important deal, and I do share like similar uh, empathy with that because of the ACT that I had to take last year. It was not fun. Turns out the SAT was much worse but a lot of juniors have been, having, have been really concerned about their future, and that's kind of like it hits you. It's like, wait, what is my future going to be, and how am I going to get there? Now, of course, this message isn't just for juniors. It's for the rest of us, because we all have a future that we want. We all have certain goals that we want to achieve. We all have certain needs that we wish to acquire, and I've noticed, and um, I've noticed that as I have started to expand upon the people that I talk to here at Calvary Baptist Church from just the high school, then I got involved in the worship team, started talking to people here, up in the tech booth, wherever it might be. I've noticed a lot of you guys like to ask a similar question. What are your plans after high school? What is your future going to be like? My goodness, all of you love to ask ask that question, and there is good thought behind it, and there is good sort of motive behind it, because you want to talk to us. And that's very appreciated. But I'm going to go ahead and clear it up right now for all of you that are going to ask me. So you have to ask me something else other than that. If I, if you were to ask me the question, what? Thank you for asking me that question. I hope to get into the habit of reading my Bible every day. I hope to get into the idea of having a time throughout the day where I can worship my Lord and I can read his word every single day. That's sort of something that I've had an issue with trying to develop through my high school years and I hope that as I go on it will be able to continue. A lot of you guys might be slightly confused because when you heard that, let me ask you, uh, you asked the question, what are your plans for the future? You're thinking of what kind of college do you want to go to? What per- careers do you want to pursue? What are you planning on doing in this world? But isn't it interesting that whenever we think about our future, we only think about our future of this world? Because when you think about it, this, the future on this world, our place here on this world, is only temporary, correct? So why are we so concerned with that versus our future with God? Now, James puts it very kind of slightly harshly. He, I've noticed that as I've read, open up your Bibles, by the way, to the book of James chapter 4, verse 13 is where we're going to go at. But we're not going to stick around there for too long. But I've noticed that as I've read through James, he is a very straightforward writer. He says it how it is, even if it like kind of makes you feel like, wow, well, that was kind of rough. Like, and he mentions it very clearly here in James chapter 4, verse 13. He says this. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, will be, we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business, and take money. Why do you not even know what will happen to tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Wow! That was... That's, you know those people that just kind of like, they say what needs to be said, even if it kind of hurts a little bit? Like, you know some of those people? If you don't know those people, that might be you, but, <laughs> but those people are very much appreciated because they say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. And he says this, that you are but a mist, a mist. Now, I don't think that they're to take away from who we are because we are chosen by God to go out into the world, spread the gospel, and pro- proclaim the name of Jesus. But I feel like he's trying to instead say that we are a very short period of time. The average life expectancy here in the United States is, I believe, 73 years. So, if you're above 73 years young, then congratulations, you're above average. And if you're not, then, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I fall into that category as well. But, again, this is, very, this is a very short time compared to our eternity with Christ. So, why are we so concerned about this little short time? When we think about it, our eternity is going to be much, much longer. And, of course... This is only acceptable through having the, proclaiming the name of Jesus, through uh, praying to God and asking for forgiveness. And if you haven't done that today, if you haven't proclaimed the name of Jesus, if you haven't prayed to him and asked for forgiveness and know that he did die on the cross, then I really highly encourage that you do, because that is a very important decision that you can make and you will not regret it. I know I haven't. 17 years and I haven't. Well, I mean, I didn't accept it when I was seven, like first born, but... A couple of years, but I don't regret it yet. So I really encourage you to talk to maybe some of our pastors around here about that. But even through that, I'm also not trying to say that our time here on earth is pointless. Because there is point and value to it. If there was no value to it, then we wouldn't be here. So... When we're trying to think about our future, we can look through the Bible, and there's a lot of stuff that talks about the future. Specifically, one of those spots being Jeremiah 29, 11, saying, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future. Now, quick clarification, that was written, a lot of people believe that that was written for the Israelites at the time, and not necessarily written for all of God's people. But... I do know that I serve an awesome, loving God who cares for me whenever I might need him, and even when I feel like I don't need him. He's always there, and I do believe that he does have a future plan for me and a future plan for you. Though, when we look at our futures, a lot of us are just kind of, like, scared. Like, we're, we we do not it's like that thing that we, we know is going to come, but we wish it couldn't come because like, we, we like it where we are. Like, we're comfortable here. We want to be comfortable here. We don't want to go over here. Like, who wants to go over there? This is, it's nice over here. And a big thing we have with that is a lot of anxiety, and, or we're maybe stressed out. And that's okay, because it's basic human nature. It's our human nature as people, imperfect beings, to be scared of something we don't know, to be concerned about something that we may not know is going to be or like what will turn out but it says in the bible several times don't be scared do not be freaked out philippians 4 6 says do not be anxious about anything but with every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and you know that the fun the not the fun but the irony in me up here presenting this message to you is that i'm telling you not to stress about your future yet I came up with the idea to do this thing back in November. So I've been stressing for this for a long period of time. And that just shows you how often, how even people that might be saying, don't do it, still do it. And it's an issue that occurs throughout the Bible. Even the people in the Bible stress about it, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Look back with me to Exodus chapter 19, please. This is the story of when... The Israelites had just fled Egypt. If you're unfamiliar with the story, I'll catch you up. The the Israelites were in Egypt. They were held as slaves. Then Moses comes along. There's the basket. He sees a burning bush, says he's got to come and rescue these people by God because God said he should. So he's like, okay, sure, I'll go. He walks over, does cool things with, like, snakes. There's, like, ten plagues. It's a really interesting book. I I encourage you to read that. But in chapter 19, he goes up Mount Sinai, and that's when he goes up to get the Ten Commandments, the ten laws, main laws that the Lord has for his children. And while he's up there, he's been up there for, well, here's when he just goes up there, and he's up there for 40 days and for 40 nights. And during this time, the Israelites are at the, the foot of the mountain, and they're, they're kind of, they're, they're starting to worry. Like, he's been up there for a while. They're like, should, should we go check on him? No, no, no. They told us not to. But, but he might be dead. It, he, he, they told us not to. Just don't do it. And they're really scared and they're really concerned because they don't know what's going to happen next. They just saw ocean, water defy gravity. It split, how Moses split the Red Sea. They just saw that. They've been wandering through the desert for Lord knows how long. And they are exhausted. They must be tired. They must be frustrated. They're like, what is our future going to be? God. But if you were to go to the, uh, Exodus chapter 32, then you will see how instead of waiting for God to show them what their future is, they try to make their own for their own personal values. Chapter 32, I'm going to start by reading at verse 1. Wait for you guys to get there a little bit. Okay, time's up. Chapter 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down, From the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, first off, never trust someone named Aaron, apparently. So when Aaron comes back from Moody, be sure not to trust him when he comes back. So, (laughs) just kidding, Aaron's wonderful. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods, and we'll go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took rings and brought he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and rose early Wait, and presented fellowship of offerings. After they sat down to eat and drink, they gave, they got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, now this is like flash forward, go up the mountain. This is what the Lord is saying to Moses at this time. Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have been from the commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. They made their own gods. They cast idols out of a gold, made it into a golden cow. You ever wonder why a cow, of all things, why, what is the imagery behind the cow? Why not something cool like a lion or a tiger? But that's beside the point. They made a golden cow, and that was not something they should have done because the Lord said, "No other gods before me. And they might have had the right intentions behind it because they said they will, um, they will worship the Lord the next day by having the burnt offerings, but they didn't do it the exact right way because they were scared, and they didn't know what to do, so they took it to their own hands when in reality... We don't need to worry about that because we have a God that serves us. We have a God that helps us, that is there for us whenever we may so need him. Some of you might have noticed that when I read Jeremiah 29.11, I didn't exactly finish the verse. There's two other words, at least in this version, that I did not include. And that's the second way that you could look at your future. You could look at it stressed. Or you could look, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and hope. You could look at your future hopefully. Hopeful that God will help. Hopeful that God will be there for you. That he will help you through the rough and the tough times in life. And there is also an example of this in the Bible. If you're, I'm just making you go all over the Bible real quick. Quick, go to Mac, Mark chapter one. This is like a Bible drill. Swords up. Mark chapter one. Fun fact about the uh, Mark chapter, the book of Mark. It was written by the uh, disciple Mark. In case you were wondering, that's who wrote it. Okay, Mark chapter 1, we will start at verse 16. This is when Jesus was getting his disciples around. He, it says this, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting it into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 18, At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed them. Think about what Mark just wrote here. He wrote that these people, these, this, just this, I'm guessing, road man, there's, you know, started people, Jesus has long hair and nice flowing beard. He comes, walks up, just, hey, did you come with me? And then they're just, okay. Like, just, they don't say much else. There's nothing else that they did the first two, which is Simon and Andrew, didn't even say anything. They just followed him. And then James and John left their boat with their dad, also in the boat to follow him. I'm not sure if my dad would be very happy if I just abandoned him in the middle of the Sea of Galilee just to go follow some strange man that we didn't really know that much of. But they did, because they saw something else in this man. They, saw, they didn't look at him as if he was a crazy man, as people at the time might have they looked at him as if he was the Savior. They looked at him as if he was their God. And he was going to lead them to a, ple- a very pleasant future. And he was going to give them that hope. And these four men went off to do incredible things. They all went off and served the Lord with their entire lives. Simon, just quick recap, Simon goes on to be named Peter, who is the rock by which they will, the Lord Jesus shall build his church. And he goes on, he helps a crippled man in Acts chapter 3, and he heals him as if Jesus would have. That's pretty awesome. And he continued to, to, continue to have service for his, his heavenly father until he was eventually captured in Rome and he was crucified upside down because he did not feel he was worthy to die the same way Jesus did. His brother Andrew went on to build the first church in the Georgia region, which is just south of Russia by the Black Sea. That is kind of a, one of those countries you may not know much of. But he went and he, it's a great matter of distance between uh, Rome or Jerusalem, where he might have been in that sort of region, and all the way up here in Georgia, which is up more in towards sort of the Asia region, region. And he built the very first church there and expanded the Lord's name. Now, moving on to James, James went on to write the book of James in the Bible, which is a very good book. I highly encourage you guys to read it. It's pretty cool. And he was the only disciple whose martyrdom was mentioned and recorded in the Bible. It was recorded in Acts Acts chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's very short and sudden, but it does say that he he was slain before his father. He did die a martyr. And his brother John was later known as the one whom Jesus loved. Pastor John, I'm not sure if that refers to you, but you can take it as you will. <laughs> he was referred to the one as uh, the one whom Jesus loved, and there is a story. I'm not, I can't say the story is 100% confirmed, but if it was, it is an incredible story. It is where John was captured by the Romans and was put into a coliseum. And they were going to have a... Because this was at the time where Christians were persecuted. Where they were killed for what they believed in. And they were looked down upon and kind of like kicked around. And so these Roman soldiers, they took John into this Colosseum with all sorts of people around watching. And they got a vat of boiling hot oil that was, you know, boiling. And they were going to put him into this vat of oil. And make have him very, die a very painful death. But... When, he, when they put him into the oil, there's a story that he did not receive any sort of burns from it. That God miraculously saved him and there was a miracle there. And that story continues on to say that everyone in that Colosseum at that day was converted to Christianity. If I, Again, I don't know if that was 100% a true story. It was written by a gentleman by the name of Tertullian. He was a Christian writer at the time and he kind of helped spread more of the disciples' stories and, and things that the, and miracles that they had provided and after this he was later sentenced to the island of patmos patmos as, well, as most people know is the island that which he was at when he received the sudden appearance of jesus and he was given the um i guess imagery of the, that he would later use to write the book of revelation which as of right now is our only way into the future is what we know will happen in the future because of what happened to John at this time. So you see, if these people, all these four people had hope for what the Lord Jesus would do for them. And they went on to do incredible things. And now, of course, these people were not all perfect. They made mistakes, as we all do, because we're human, we're imperfect, we are, sin- we are sinful in nature. And it even goes, even shows, just an example of this was when Peter lost his faith and he disowns Jesus in Mark chapter 14. He disowns him three times before the rooster crows. And it just shows that these guys did make, make problem. They did have issues, but they learned from them and they developed and they continued to have that hope that they needed to persevere and do what the Lord had called them to do. So in your future, how are you going to look at it? Are you going to be stressed? Are you going to be worried about maybe getting that promotion in your job, maybe getting that college that you want to get into, maybe providing for your family, or maybe it's the future of your kids, or your grandkids, or the future of this church, or the future of our nation. This is a very important year in our nation's history as we go into an election, and this is a very big topic that people, a lot of people have been covering, and so how are you going to look at the future? Are you going to look at it stressfully or hopefully? and perhaps and also sometimes when you're looking at your future and it eventually gets to become the present it's not the way that you thought it was going to be it isn't what you had planned and you know what that's okay just look at this service again for example about 3 weeks ago this would have been something that i that would have been something completely different we would have had all sorts of stuff like moved around more different music different songs but that's okay because the real the reason that we did this was to glorify God, and from what I can tell, we glorified God. Proverbs three five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings." Amen. That just sums up. That just for your future, when you're looking into your future, just trust God. Just trust the Lord who is who already knows what you are going to have in your future. Look at your future as if it were as if it were a roller coaster. You know, how many, I'm not sure if many people in here love roller coasters or don't like roller coasters, but imagine it as a roller coaster. You're going, you've got twists, turns, loop-de-loops, you know, all sorts of really fast, it seems to go really fast, and all this stuff, and you, you're going to laugh, you're probably going to cry at some point, and you might even vomit during it. <laughs> but, but through it all, you're being directed by a sort of steel beam that's following you and making you move around all around. That steel beam is God and you are riding in the roller coaster. Where it may be scary, and there may be, you may not know why you're going in all these different directions, but there's a reason behind it, and he will always be there. He will always be guiding you, and he will always have your back until you either go up to the end of that roller coaster, and the Lord takes you home, or he comes back once again. Let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given the students, Lord. Thank you, for our opportunity to glorify you, Father God. And as we all think about our future, whatever it may hold for each and every one of us, Father God, I pray that we will look at it hopefully. And I pray that we will look at it with a sense of hope and that you will be there and you will provide for us. And we will not be scared of our future because we know that you are there through the oh, thick and thin, through everything that there is, Lord. And I just pray that you will be with every single person in this room. Watch over them, keep them safe, Father God. We give you this time. We give you our lives, and in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.